Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back. This is Grindstone Adventures podcast. We have team member uh, Stephen Fondrist, VP of Grindstone Adventures. And this is episode 21. And we will be covering preseason stuff and some general hunting stuff. And I'm going to try and persuade Stephen to get into some 3D archery. So let's get rolling. What's going on, buddy? Enough of us, I'll just sitting over west side of Cincinnati for work right now. Cincinnati, it's a good drive. I was four hours from mom and dad's house. Well, four <laughs> hours and fifteen minutes. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a long, long drive. It is. It is very long. The plus is on my way through. I did see a Bass Pro, so once I get oh, yeah. my per diem or I got enough cash. I'm gonna run over there because I can get some new arrows, and we'll we'll get into this about the 3D stuff too. Because um, I, I went to a shoot on Sunday and I did terrible. But, Dude, I uh, got plenty of arrows if you want. I'm I'm gonna get some. Uh, I'm gonna get like six of them. I'm not gonna go out of my mind on them. It's just you know six. I have to get them cut down and stuff. And the arrows I was using, I'm not too happy with. But since I'm over here now. I looked it up. There's a uh, indoor range not far from here, and I have my personal here. So after work one day, I'm gonna try and run down and do some shooting. Yeah, I mean, I can show you the ones that I have. Uh, I think I have like 12 of them. I mean, okay. I don't use them, and they're basically brand new. What so, are they? Carbon fiber. So I can't remember what exactly brand they are, but I well, mean, are are they carbon or are they aluminum? No, I believe they're carbon. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'd have to double check. I mean, I haven't used them in a long time, so they've just been sitting in my basement. But okay, where'd you yeah, buy them from? Uh, I got them from All American in uh, Strasburg. Oh, okay, okay. So they're they don't have barcodes on them. No. Okay, because I was told Sunday that if it's got a barcode on it, don't ever use it. Which makes sense after they explained it to me. They're like, yeah, if it's got a barcode on it, then it's mass produced. They don't put much effort into it, so it's not a very good arrow. I was like, oh, yeah, you're probably right. I didn't think about that. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I, once I can, I'll, I'll get them for you. Okay, I, I mean, I, I can probably, uh, the 18th and 19th, I have exams for my schooling. Um, so I'll be back up in the area then because. Uh, I got some stuff I want to do in Carrollton, you know, more preseason prep and stuff like that. Um, So I'll just come down and we'll do another podcast. We'll do it in person this time. That sounds good to me. And say that uh, my friend I've been talking to, uh, she's up in Navarre, Brewster area. So it's not like if I want to go hang out afterwards, it would be that far of a drive. Yeah, not far at all. But... So, well, since we started with the 3D kind of stuff, let's just hop right into it. So what do, what do you know about 3D targeting? Let's start with that. Well, I don't know much, um, unless, obviously, they use uh, 3D targets of animals. That's basically all that I know, but <laughs> the, only, the, the only time that I like to practice is on a block target. Uh, I don't shoot any 3D targets yeah have you heard of the arguments between a lot of archers 
of block targets and 3D targets? No. No? So I've only become aware of it since I started shooting the 3D targets and stuff occasionally. I call it redneck golf, but... Um, I mean, it kind of is, except if you're looking for the highest score, not the lowest score. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I guess there's a huge argument between practice shooters at blocks and dots compared to 3D archers. And the argument is that shooting at a dot does not prepare you well for situational shots out of a tree stand or on a stock or something like that. Oh, I believe that, yeah. And, I mean, it makes sense, um, but, you know... I'm a philosophy of if you can hit a dot and get your grouping inside that three inch dot, you should be fine anyways. Yeah, aim small, miss small. If I'm aiming on a deer, I'm putting it where I want, and that's where I'm aiming. Yep, yep. That, that's, I mean, that, that's how I was raised to shoot. I'm, yeah. I'll be the first one to tell anybody, I'm not the greatest shot with a bow. Uh, like sometimes with Zach, I'll, I'll give him hell and be like, oh, I'm out, shoot you and this and that, I'll Robin Hood your arrow. He knows I'm blowing smoke because he knows I'm not that good, but it's still fun to poke yeah. at him. Oh, yeah, definitely. It takes but practice. You use crossbow, right? No, I use compound. Oh, you, okay. What kind of compound you got? Uh, it's a bear authority. Why does that sound... What is that, uh, 2017? Oh, no, it's probably older than that. I don't, I don't remember when it came out. All I know is I've had it for about five years. Okay. So... so Grindstone Adventures has a majority of bear shooters in. As yeah. small as a majority as it is. Because uh, I shoot bear. I, I shoot the bear legit. It, it's so a small, the, compact bow. So I guess the five years would take it to, you know, 17, but I don't know if I got it. Like, you know, they could have new bows, but they're just uh, sold a year later or something. I don't mm-hmm. know. I mean, it's probably still shooting, what, 280 feet per second? Somewhere uh, in there? I would imagine. I will uh, say, it's got to be pretty close, or if not more. I, I wouldn't think it's any lower. I was always told the uh, the more you put on a boat, the slower it goes. Like accessories uh, and stabilizers yeah. and stuff? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that makes sense, too. But, but I want to stay. I thought it was in, like, the 300s. But, you know, with everything that I have on it, it may be a little slower. But say my, still, my list says 315 on the legit. Yeah. So, I mean, even though I've, mine shoots good, I've, you know, I've hit a target bullseye at 50 yards. So. Now you got me beat. I've only been able to just hit the target at 50 yards, not a bullseye. <laughs> so what do you pull on it, like 70? Uh, yeah, it's seven pounds. Okay. So on Sunday, I figured some things out about my bow that I didn't know because there's a guy named Eddie. I uh, just texted Zach about 10 minutes ago. Um, he he did the – we only got through 20 of the 30 targets because we spent two hours sighting bows, and Zach's dad's bow was out of whack. So, And uh, Jen came with me, and we got she hadn't shot her bow in like five years. So we were like uh-huh. – working on getting her all tuned up and stuff so she could go and yeah. uh, so we spent two hours on the practice range getting things tuned up and figured out halfway through the first set that my arrows are too long that I'm shooting my draw length is too long and the way I'm pulling the back pulling the bow back is not ideal yeah 
Now, the guy told me my anchor point's too far back, but when I tried to scooch it forward the way I hold my hand, it was not comfortable. And, you know, I, I'm all for learning different types of best ways of shooting, but yeah. it has to be comfortable. If it's not comfortable, then I will adjust it to make it comfortable. And yeah. where I was holding it was more comfortable. I just adjusted the way my face sits on the bow, so I'm keeping that part of it. But Do you have a uh, kisser on your bow string? No. I would recommend getting one of those. My old one had one, but this one does yeah. not. Um, the guy I go to get my bow set up, uh, Jake Lovejoy, he's a buddy of mine. I went to high school with him and stuff, and he actually one that got me into 3D shooting. He set the bow up. Um, he helped me put my QAD on there, and I've already told him, I was like, next year, Jake, get ready, because you're going to help me sight in my single pin when I buy it, because I'm going to buy a sing uh, HHA single pin. That's what I have. I Did you see they just dropped a new one today? Oh, they did? I well, it might not have been today, but they dropped it within the last week. Um, so, what is it? Uh, Whitetail Edge, um, Breaking Point guys. They're all sponsored by HHA. Yeah. And I've seen the post on Facebook from HHA, and it was a picture of Aaron um, looking up at a 3D target, and the post headline said they were putting the new site through the works in the mountains. So I, I got to look at it. it. They made it a single pin with two dots, one at the top of it and one at the base. Okay. I didn't read too much into it because I was in a car while, and so it was hard for me to read. But... Uh, Dude, it's like 400 bucks. I believe it. I spent like 300 on mine. Yeah. Got it. They're nice. I mean, I don't think they're too hard to sight in. It's just I've never done that before, so I, I want someone there that uh, knows a lot about bows before I do it. <laughs> you know what? I have mine, so I mean, I can show you. So you're going to sight it out at pretty believe You're going to sight it out at uh, 20 cards, and then... Yeah, I want to get the dial out to at least 60, 65 yards because, you know, I'm, I'm wanting to go out and do elk hunts and stuff. So it's pretty hard to sneak up on an elk within 40 yards if you've never went elk hunting well, before. The problem is when you get that HHA site, it will come with a reel on it um, that's already has a select number, uh, has this tape on it. Right. I'm pretty sure I explained it in the podcast. Yeah, you did. The first time I did, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so you will go out to 20 yards and you will just shoot your bow and you will pick the numbers on it um, and you'll shoot and you'll figure out what number best hits at 20 yards. Okay. So my case, my number was, I don't know, like 23 or something like that. I'd go to like 25 and it would be like, you know, too high or too low, whatever. Um but, like, that number was, like, perfect for me. Okay. So then when you get that number, you'll go out to 60 yards. You'll repeat that same exact step and figure out that number. So once you find out the best number for you at 60 yards, you will take that number and you will subtract it from your other number. So let's say my number was 65 mm -hmm. and my first number was 23. You'll take 65 minus 23 and... Whatever that number equals is what tape you'll have to put on. Okay. That, yeah. I mean, that's pretty simple. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm, so that's what we figured out on Sunday is 
you know, my draw length was too long. Zach lowered it right there because he had Allen sets with him. Um, I was at 28. It's down to 27 now. And I was shooting 31-inch arrows, dude. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> See, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's what I shoot, pretty much. I mean, you got, you're, you're about as tall as Sasquatch, so I mean, you got to have a huge draw length. Yeah, well, my, technically my draw length is like 31 and a half, mm-hmm. but my bow only goes out to... 30, I believe, right? That's what bears go to? Yeah. yeah, so mine only goes out to 30, but I've, you know, practiced a lot and how I can hold it to where it's perfect for me. Like, I just, I put that pisser right on my mouth and I'm good. Mm-hmm. So I don't have a kisser on mine, but... You know those little thumb releases? Yeah. So I don't have one of those, but the way I pull my bow back and I set my hand now for my anchor point is very similar to the way a thumb release was, will sit. Like my pinky, I put, I made my pinky knuckle next to my palm, my anchor. I put that into the pressure point or just in front of the pressure point behind my ear and my four, front, um, my forefinger, index finger, that same knuckle next to the palm that one is at the bottom of my jaw, but my re—I mean, I'm using a true fire release, so it's excuse me, it's got a little bit of a length to it, you know, so that way the string is like still right at the corner of my mouth, and I just just did from how I was shooting, I'd have my nose next to it, and I had my head yeah. canted to now where my head may still be canted, but now my nose is directly on top of the string. Yeah, but so that. I'm keeping the same. We, I, I mean, I suffered through the rest of those sh- shots with 31-inch arrows. I broke one, or no, I lost a tip in a tree because I, dude, I was shooting low because I don't know why. I mean, I, I was dropping my arm a lot, which that's just operator error. And then uh, I, most of the arrows were just hitting low and one skid off and into a tree in a downward slope. And yeah, I got the arrow back, but the, the tip stayed in the tree. Another thing that you need to check, um, because when I was sighting in mine, when I first got my QAD, uh, I was sighting it in, and like all of my arrows were hitting far left. Mm-hmm. So I would adjust my sight, and I'd move it over and everything, and it was still hitting far left. And I got to the point where I maxed it out, and I couldn't move it anymore, and I was still hitting left. Yeah. Then I got looking at it, my uh, uh, my QAD was actually pushed too far to the left, mm-hmm. and so it was automatically every time I put my arrow in, it would be cockeyed to the left. So that's why I was constantly shooting left. Uh-huh. Yeah. So make sure your QAD is you know the QAD is good because Jake put it on there and Jake's been working on bows for years, um, but I I definitely give that. A look just to make sure but yeah I, I trust jake real a lot with my bow like i honestly yeah. probably won't ever take it to a bow shop i'll just keep taking it to jake i gotta i gotta get my new strings on my bow i gotta get but, you to meet jake you'd like him um so you have a brother i don't think so but i'm not 100 percent certain okay what did you say his last name was? Lovejoy. Lovejoy. Yeah. 
He's from Carrollton. He's living over in Malvern right now. Why do I feel like I know somebody named Brogan Lovejoy? I'm like that. I don't know. Honestly, I, I don't know. Huh, okay. But, yeah, Jake's a whiz with bows. He he was the one that helped me say it. And after we got to QAD on over a month ago, um, we were shooting in his backyard. And at the time, I was still think like, said I was going to roll with that uh, Tacticam stabilizer and film from there, right? Yeah. Well, my bow kept tail whipping. Now, this might change once I get the right set, uh, length arrows on there. They won't tail whip as hard. But if they're still tail whipping with the or the Tacticam stabilizer, it means, like Jake said, it's probably because I don't have enough counterweight in the front. Uh-huh. So I bought one of those first arrow, whatever you sent to me on TikTok. I bought one of those, the magnets. Yeah. And uh, so I have my regular Trophy Ridge stabilizer. It's probably like six some inches or something like that and then I have that first arrow magnet uh, holder on there and dude, I tell you what it's going to take a lot of practice to get used to that thing because it's heavy it, it threw some weight on there <laughs> yep I prefer my bows to be a little heavier because it helps me hold it better yeah I mean my bow is only dead set from the you know pulled out the box because most bows or most bears come in with trophy ridge setups anyways yeah. um it came out the box like i think what did i see it four pounds something like that uh-huh. four six pounds somewhere in there not heavy at all but so i mean throw that on there and then it probably is not too terrible heavy but then i put my iphone on there yeah man oh man i'll <laughs> do it yeah it, it, I mean, it's going to take some time to get used to it, and i got to get way smoother with my after shot and rolling my wrist forward. I don't know if I have the videos on my phone still when I tested it, but I, you know, I'd pull back, get set, anchors and all that, and then look down. I'd start the video before I even drew the bow back. I'd look down after I'm set, got the string back, make sure the phone's on the, cam, on the target. Yeah. Shoot. Watch the arrow, make sure I hit the target, and then I'd look back at the phone and see if I got it on film. And I'd be looking at it, and I'm like, nope, definitely missed the arrow coming out and everything because I'm looking dead at the sky. <laughs> so I got to get work on that. And that's one of the things that the guy we shot with, Eddie is his name. I don't know his last name. He's from Canton. Um, he told me he's like, he's trying to get me to work on my left hand's grip on the bow. So I, I got some things to work on, let's put it that way. But the first thing I need to do is I need to get the right size arrows because I, other than that, I'll never get a consistent shot if I don't have the right size arrows. Yeah. But I've been on Cabela's looking at, what was it? I, I sent Zach some pictures of one. It was a blackout, something or other, 400 spine. Yeah. Like 8.2 or 8. Or eight grams per inch, something like that. And then the other ones were um, gold tips. And then I did look at uh, Victory Archery, but dude, I can't, I can't bring myself to pay a hundred dollars for six arrows. Yeah, I don't blame you. Especially the way I go through them. <laughs> but so three D shooting. Back to get back to that. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah. So, yeah, you go, we've been going to Lone Eagle in East Sparta. Okay. I got a list of all the ones in the area. So, there, it's not just like we have one place to go. I'm, I'm going to try and become a member there if I can ever remember to give them the money for it. But uh, we'll have to get you to one. Um, so, you, you, you know, you pay your fee or whatnot. You get your car, scorecard. And then uh, they tell you, all right, your target starts over here. There's another set over there and another set behind us because we've been doing 30 targets and it's broken into sets of 10. We'll go do the first 10. You get to your target. Okay, now there's a indicator with orange tape the way they use it. Lone Eagle orange tape's 50 yards. It's got your hole number on it or your target number on it. Yeah. And then there's a yellow target or yellow stake and it is 35 max. And then there's a blue stake. It's 25 max. And then there's a white stake in front of that for little kids and traditional shooters. So I, I, I shoot at the blue, 35-ish, right there. And I, I'm some people may not like this if they listen to this and they like to competitively compete in 3D archery. Is I take my rangefinder with me and I range everything. Um, yeah. But but I do I do try and guess it before I range it so I see how close I am. Um, but. So I shoot from there. He walk up to whichever post you want to shoot from, 50, 25. And it's all scored the same, so it doesn't matter which one you shoot at. Um, but I choose to shoot in the middle at 35 because I figure that's going to make me a better shooter. And then you look at your target, and it's got a couple circles, real tiny one that's your bullseye. Uh, about it, They scored 11 points at Lone Eagle. Then you got your outer circle to that. That's 10 points. And then there's another, like, you know, your vital covers your lungs, your liver circle. And yeah. that one is eight. And then anywhere else on the target is five. And then obviously you miss, you get none. And you just go through every target doing that. And it ranges from, you know, caribou targets, elk targets, mini elk, rams, sheep, pigs, mountain lions, bobcats, you name it. Uh, they got them out there. You go shoot your first 10. You go back up, you know, you get your, something to eat, get some water or whatever. Or you can go to the next set and do your next 11 through 20. And then you go to the next set, 21 through 30. And at the end of it, you, you tally up everything. You turn your scorecard in if you enter the tournament. And they randomly pair you with different people as teams. And then they get a hold of you afterwards, let you know if you want a trophy or whatnot. Like, that's the only way I run a trophy the first time is I was randomly paired with a few people. And... I didn't shoot as bad that day, but yeah. that that's the gist of it. But it, they put it at different angles, you know, steep elevations, you're shooting uphill, you're shooting downhill, shooting through narrow limbs and right aways to get to it. And they're making you walk up and down hills, so you're getting your l little bit of heart rate going and stuff too. Yeah. But it's very fun, dude. Like, I, I enjoy the hell out of it. Like I said, redneck golf. Yeah, it is redneck golf. But we'll have to get you the one. The next Lone Eagle one next month. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to see if my, uh, when my uh, bowstring's coming in. But i got to get that put on. And Yeah. I, I haven't heard anything from when I bought it, so. What, the guy has what, what's Do you know how, like, the length of the strings are determined? Because it, it's, the bow, or bears run two different strings, right? Um, I think it's, like, so the way when I bought mine, there should be a little sticker on the bottom of your bow. Um, it shows you like the string length, uh, 
and a couple other measurements. So when I went onto the website to buy it, I had to put in that information. Um, that way, like the guy knew uh, how long to make it and all that. Yeah. But I messaged him on Facebook, and I told him like I have the bare authority, but and he told me he already has all the you know, all the information for it. Well, that's pretty so, nifty. Yeah. So. Uh, I just filled it out. He, uh, I submitted it, so just gotta wait for him to make it. But the cool thing is, um, it's has like some kind of coating over it, I guess. That way, I don't have to wax it. Ever? Ever. Really? Yeah. No kidding. So I, I've waxed my string water. twice since I bought it. Yeah. So he said it's like water repellent, so you know, obviously water won't get into the strings if it rains or anything like that. So mm. my opinion, I'll pay the uh, $130 to, uh, um, you know, do that. Yeah. No, that's worth it, dude. Yeah. Damn, I, I mean, I don't need new strings right now, but I just bought the bow and I just started shooting it way more now than I have when I first bought it. But I mean, I wax it probably every every couple months now. Yeah, it doesn't hurt to you know before you go out just to run some wax down it. Yeah, but yeah, I'm I got a lot to work on with my bow. But that, that's what I'm gonna do since the job doesn't wrap up this week. I don't know whether my boss will pull me out of this job to send me somewhere down in West Virginia for something our office will have or not. Because um, I'm working for the Cincinnati office at the moment, loaned out. So if they don't need me in West Virginia, I'm probably going to be here again next week. And if that's the case, then, you know, I'm fine with it. It's more per diem or whatnot. But yeah, I'm definitely wanting, you know, season's coming real quick. I need to keep, I need to get this tuned up and, you know, ready to rock and roll. So I need to get shooting, even if I'm at the hotel. Yeah, that's what I needed to do. But now, I got, now I'm on hold because I got to get those strings. So. Yeah. I feel like it makes shoot a little different once I put, you know, fresh new strings on it. So Yeah, possibly. I mean I'm the way they we adjusted my bow on Sunday, I would have to do a complete recite in because we we dropped the I didn't realize because I you know, I didn't it's been years since I've actually like really gotten into compound shooting since I had my shoulder surgery and whatnot. My bow when I bought it was maxed at seventy pounds and I didn't know it. Dude, I was pulling it back like butter. I didn't realize it. So we seen that on Sunday, and we dropped it three three full turns, and they they didn't know exactly what it was going to be, but they were thinking it was like close to sixty pounds. We dropped it too, and I'm like, well, with the sight on, I'll, I'll recite it at a le lesser poundage if I want to do that when I get my HHA. Yeah. But for right now, to kind of minimize me having to move my sight a whole lot, I'm gonna put it back down or crank it all the way back up to 70 since you know that's where I sighted in and that yeah so if you do that when you put that single pin on if you obviously uh, um, you can't be really changing your uh, draw weight back right it's gotta be kind of best because if you if you drop your weight while you already have it set for that certain weight mm -hmm. you're gonna have to it then all over again and get a different tape Right. Yeah, that's one thing that I'm going to have to do 
um, once I get the new arrows because um, I'm going from 350 spine to I'm up it to 400. So, I mean, I shoot 100 grain practice tips and the G5 Mega Meats, I shoot her 100 grain. So, that isn't an issue. A lot of people tell, were telling me on Sunday that that's too heavy. I need to be shooting 85 grain field points and 85 grain broadheads. I'm like, well. I think I shoot 125 grain. I was like, well, I mean, whatever you shoot as a practice tip is what you should put on your broadhead. If you set your yeah. bow in for, you know, 125, your broadhead should be 125 also. Yeah. If that's what you're comfortable with, why why change it? Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I'm just going to stick with the 100 because, dude, honestly, 100 grain field tips are way easier to find than anything else. 100, Easily. 125. Easily. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, speaking of broadheads, ideally for you know our team and stuff i'd like to try and see if i can't just because i've seen the product and what damage it can do and if you watch uh white tail edge with ben rising out of hawking area he uses g5 mega meats dude the damage these things do like i and it's not even like i'm trying to get a brand established for you know our our gig it's just i believe in these so much that i kind of want to get all these guys moved into g5 you zach squints joe because i mean they are a little expensive they're like 45 dollars for three of them but dude they're so freaking nuts and how like you can make a, a a pretty bad shot like say your your back and you may have had a chance to get the back of the liver and that's it with this mega meat it's got a two inch cut radius three blades you can put a bad shot on it and that blade will save your life It'll still kill that deer within probably eight hours. They're lifesavers. I mean, I think Zach shoots Grim Reapers. Um, I know Brennan and uh, Aaron and Mike from uh, the Breaking Point, they they all shoot Schwackers. Um, About the same weight and everything. They're about the same price, but you get two to a package, I believe, with those and well, it might get three. I don't remember, but they they shoot schwackers, and if G fives don't end up working, or I don't like the performance of them moving forward in the future, I'm gonna give schwacker a try. But the oh, I don't remember the brand of them, but there was a certain mechanical brand that I did not like growing up because they just they didn't always expand or they'd break their rubber band beforehand. And these ones are snap links. Yeah, rage, rage. rage. Yeah, I don't like rage. But these G five, they got snap link collars, so like. You, yeah. you can possibly sharpen the blade if you don't bend it and then snap it back in and it's good to go. Or you can get replacement blades and snap them in. They're good to go. You got to put a rubber band on them and they will not come to that snap link until they make contact with whatever you shoot. Yeah. And when I go, if I find out, what is it, ninth? So in about 11 days, I find out if I draw that elk tag in PA, I'm going to go with G5 Montax. They're fit fixed blade carbon steel that's that's what i went with first um that i moved to the rage uh mechanicals the hypodermic or oh jeez i want to say there are hypodermic but the one thing i'm having a problem is those little uh those little collars and i'm (laughs) i'm actually really glad we talked about this because 
I need to find new collars for those because those like you know, they just don't hold that blade well and so I gotta either find new ones or just buy different broadheads yeah I'm telling you try try the G5s like last year I used Meat Eater um, it's an inch and a half cut radius it's the same process snap link collar so the, the, the collar itself does not ever come off that broadhead tip your expandable blades can be removed and replaced and then snap back into that collar yeah it I don't know if they're the only ones to do that but like it seems to me like dude they, they made some brown great a groundbreaking uh, device with that because I don't know of many other blades that don't use the mini rubber bands or collars that you have to slide over top of them or whatnot you know uh -huh. what I mean Th this is very efficient you know you're you can reuse mechanical blades and up until you know I came across G5 like I thought a mechanical blade was you make contact you're pretty much done unless you can find that specific or you have the specific ability to get it over top of those and reset your your new blades but yeah. this makes it so much easier dude like it's like $45 for three of them you've got a practice tip same weight comes in it and then uh, you, you, you can replace them their replacement blades are cheaper than you know a whole broadhead setup but and yeah. there's a lot of major people using them matter of fact bone collector uses them Michael Waddell yeah so there, there's some pretty big names that trust them and I mean that's kind of how I got put onto them I believe Zach's dad uses them too also so if you can't figure out what you what you're gonna do with those collars I'd say go go down All-American give them get a pack of mega meats or meat eaters and give them a try I may because I, I like the fixed blades but then uh, I saw those rigs and I was like it was a really high uh, cutting diameter mm-hmm I, I mean you don't really want to go much over two inches because then Oh, it was, it you, was you're gonna put some meat to shame yeah it was probably either at two inches or just like just a hair below yeah can you hear those kids bounce around up there no I still can't oh my gosh dude I can hear them left and right <laughs> oh jeez hotel life man I tell you. oh yeah but so Let's see here. You're, you hunt down in the Hawking area. Yep. You hunt with some buddies down there on a shared property that you got permission, right? Yep. So I know you sent me pictures last year, at the end of the season, whenever it was, you sent me the pictures that you guys did for setup last last year. You guys done anything yet this year for pre-work? No, not yet. I need to definitely make a trip down there shortly. I know we, we had some text messages about what two and a half weeks ago about food plots yeah yeah so like I was saying before the podcast started the property I hunt they're getting estimates for a full property timber uh, that they want to do in a few months and you know what if Lisa were to look at me and say what do I think about it it not being my property I, but I know what timbering can do for uh, financial stability and stuff I'm not going to look at her selfishly and be like no I don't want you to do it because I hunt I'm going to look at her and be like, you're going to make some serious money. Like, just make sure you get a good company in there. It's not going to tear your property up trying to get yeah. the logs out and stuff. But yeah. do it and then, you know, get what you can out of it. 
because I know in a few years' time, that property's going to be even more nuts than the pictures I've sent you and you got from me last year. And dear, yeah. it's going to be absolutely crazy. But for this season, it's going to be a bummer. Next season, it might be a bummer. But um, yeah. But I mean, it's thick in certain areas where, like, to the point where, like, I hate going up to check my cameras if I put one there because it's that thick. Yep. But so I'm I'm probably gonna be playing a lot of the what what you might call it, public land hunting this year. Um. So speaking of that, you you hunt down there near Ben Rising, and in the same general area. If I start going down to hunt my family's property or the public land right next to it, dude, I'll start taking you with me. Um, my family's not going to sign off on permission for you to hunt our, our property down there, but it's not great for deer hunting right now. Anyways, we're rebuilding it pretty much like trying to put, re bring the deer back in where they feel comfortable and whatnot. But we literally are right next to 1100 acres of public land. Yeah. So, you know, you got a place to sleep. We, wake up early we walk across the road we drop down into the old strip mine and we set up where we set up and we see what we can come up with but i will tell you this you you played football for how many for many years you've worked hard all your life i've done the same we either one of us gets a deer down there no matter how small or big it is the other person has to stop hunting and come help because it is going to take the rest of the day and maybe into the night to get a deer out of there yeah. It is ridiculous. Like, seven-layered strip mine, if not just random number off my head of how many le- or tiers it is down. Like, yeah. It takes me 30 minutes to 45 minutes to walk down to the bottom and then an hour and a half to get back out. Yeah, no, thank you. So if we get a deer down there, it's drop everything, call for help immediately. Yeah. But Definitely. yeah, I mean, if you know, I start ended up going down there this year. I'll I'll bring you down there, dude. It, I mean, we're both gonna sweat our asses off, but it will be some of the greatest woods you've ever seen. Probably, they did a great job reclaiming that. But uh, so, what what's your what what kind of work are you guys gonna do down there preseason? Um. Well, as far as I know, probably not much. Um, over the years, we've already done so much to it. Yeah. Um, I guess when I get the chance to go down there, I'm going to, one, I'm going to pull my cameras. They've been set out all year. so Are they cell cams? <laughs> What's that? Are they cell cams? No. Okay. What, what uh, size memory card you got in them? Probably something small, like maybe 8, 16 gigabyte. Oh, so they're full. Oh, yeah, they're definitely full, and the batteries are probably dead more than likely, but it's just, you know, when it got the winter time, I uh, I was working constantly. I, I didn't have any time to go down there. Right. And I went there in spring. It was spring turkey, and I didn't really want to go waltzing out around the, around the woods and, you know, spooking turkey and all that, so. Right. I kind of just stayed out. Yeah, that makes sense. So, did you guys, you guys put a food plot in down there, right? Yeah, there's a... Was it a one that comes back every year, or is it one you'd have to come down and redo every year? No, they, they usually put plant it every year. Okay. Yeah, I know you 
we talked about that because I was going to put one on the property up in Carrollton, but since they're going to timber it, I'm not even going to put it in this year now. It doesn't seem like there's much point to do it. I mean, it, it could be a good thing, but also, yeah, I mean, the yeah. way I look at it is uh, if you put a food plot in, I mean, they're going to come to food. You yeah. know, the guy's not going to be timbering the whole entire time. Right. So, you know, if you go out on the day that he's not going to be, you know, tearing up the woods, they got to eat eventually. Right, yeah. And I know the fields will still be there. Um, because Sean's still going to be bailing hay and whatnot down there. So I don't know. Maybe I'll look into it. If if I do decide to put it in, i got to get it in when I come home 18th and 19th that weekend um, because I don't know when I'll have another chance to do it with the season coming up and then me moving back to Ohio. So my time's pretty scarce already because bear season opens September 17th in PA. And I did get that bear tag. So I'll be in Pennsylvania September 16th that night. Yeah. No matter where I'm at for work, I will go home to get my stuff to go hunt. Definitely don't blame you there. No. I, you know, I'm I'm nervous about that because I've never been bear hunting. And I haven't done as much of the e-scouting I need to be doing. But I, I got plenty. E-scouting takes all of a matter of, you know, bring up the map and just sit down and do it. Uh, yeah, because that's how I got my turkey. Is I e scouted the heck out of Michigan, but I know there's not a lot of public le- on the western side of uh, PA. But so you're not going to do a whole lot of prep work. You just kind of let the property settle. Yeah. What kind of expectations are you going into this year? Um. I have no idea. Because I know we talked earlier that you just want to be able to shoot your first buck. Um, We'll we'll come back to this in later podcasts and, you know, readjust as we go, as the season progresses. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to uh, at least get my first buck. Mm -hmm. But, you know, with with the landowners down there, they want all the mature gear taken. Mm -hmm. So, there you kind of have to wait. Um, obviously you can't shoot the first little buck that, uh, comes out in front of you. Right. But, so, I mean, I'd like to at least go down there opening day and try and shoot a doe. Um, you know, hunt, at least get some meat, because it's been a long time since I've had a lot of deer meat. Yeah. So, get some meat and then, uh, for a buck. I think that's pretty good initial plan or whatnot you want to call that but uh, uh, expectation I guess you'd say yeah and that's the only place you're hunting right no I I, I, I hunt at my uh, my uh, buddy's house over there in Mineral City uh no uh, Port Washington okay I would say Tommy's been trying to get me I'm not going to say his name on here just in case you know that's not cool with him but you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. But Tommy's been trying to get me to get permission to go over there and go with him. And I haven't talked to said person in months, almost a year probably. Which I, I mean, yeah. I don't have a problem with him. It's just I haven't seen or heard from him or reached out to him in a while. 
Yeah, no, I'll talk to you off the podcast about that too. So okay, yeah, yeah. I, because I know there were some things that kind of went down between some people, but I don't have full details. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, hell, I dude, that'd be a heck of a weekend if we got you and Tommy and me, and we went down to the public land down Caldwell area. Uh-huh. Dude, that'd be nuts. I don't. I mean, we'd probably be all hunting, but we'd probably all be hungover hunting. <laughs> Which I don't know that that's a bad thing either. We'd be having I fun. Shot my, I shot my first deer with a hangover. <laughs> <laughs> Poor little yearling. I bet it tasted good though. Absolutely. Cooked the back straps up like a couple hours later after I shot it. There you go. Yep. Yeah, I, I just ate my deer's heart from last year this summer, and it was I fried it up on a mini butane. Um, cooker uh, because when I go to PA in Michigan this year I'm not going to get food I'm planning on camping in the bed of my truck either in truck stops nearby or because I know you can't park vehicles there all night on public land but you know I'm going to try and like skimp out and be as cheap and money spending as I can yeah I don't blame especially the gas almost 420 a gallon everywhere but yep yeah, so I, I cooked my deer heart in that. I fried it up in some oil with salt and pepper on it. And then I fried up, or I put the other half in water and boiled it. And dude, it, was, it was really good. Uh-huh. I mean, I, I have a taste for it though, so I like deer heart. But uh, yeah, that'd be, if we get a deer or whatnot, if we go down there, dude, we're, we're cooking that stuff up that night. We're, we're making back straps, whatever, you know. We'll, We'll pull the loins out. Whatever it is, we're cooking something. I think... So I wanted to get Zach or Joe or, like I told you on here, so we get their expectations coming to season, but I kind of already know Joe's expectations. They're uh, just to find permission somewhere to hunt next year because he ain't going to have any time. Yeah. Um, Zach he wants to shoot a big deer every year. I mean, who doesn't, but... I don't exactly know what his setup is because he he hasn't even got cameras out yet. Um, he hasn't done a whole lot yet this year. I mean, he works late every day pretty much, but I'd say my expectation, I've sent you the pictures, I only have maybe two shooters on camera right now. And the one is not identifiable to be able to say, oh, yeah, he's a shooter, but he's he's got a question mark next to him. Yeah. If I get another picture of him then and I see him, and it is what I'm thinking it is. He's going to be the shooter because he's big. But I, I'm not 100% certain yet. The other one I sent you a picture of today, or I put it on my story today, and you messaged about it. He He's not a huge monster or nothing, but, dude, he's definitely quality buck I would shoot. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how old he is because those pictures aren't that great of him. But, you know, he's a solid 130s, 8-point. So... He'd be something I'd be willing to shoot. Absolutely. I mean, He'd walk about 20 yards broadside. It'd be very tempting. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that one buck with the real wide rack and the split brow tine and whatnot that I sent you a picture of, that yeah. one would be very tempting not to shoot because of just how cool that rack is. But I also know yeah. that deer's only two, two and a half years old. And I want to see what he can grow into. But... Yeah, I'd, I'd say if I do put a, if 
food plot out, you know, I want to get that out. That's part of the season prep. Um, I got four cameras rolling right now. One's a cell cam. Um, I took two tree stands out of there this year already. Um, I put a blind up through some big time corn out in front of my one camera to see what kind of traction I can get to the big time. And then, uh, you know, I, I, I want to be able to get back home and roll down the road and be able to scout the fields and see what's out there and stuff, but I haven't been able to do it. Give me kind of an idea of the summer pattern. Um, but other than that, I don't really have a whole lot of summer prep left to do because I don't tell up the property, put food plots in or nothing. Like, I asked permission to put the food plot in this year. I got it. It's just, like I said, I don't know that I'm going to do it now. Yeah. Um, but my goal for the season is, you know, I want to get a, a mature buck. I don't care how many points he's got on his head in Ohio. You know, I, I do want to shoot a big deer, obviously, if he walks out in front of me. And, but my my first overall goal this year is I want to shoot my first deer with a compound. I want to break that ice. And then from there, I want to shoot a buck. And then I want to max out six tags this year in Ohio. I want to get a deer in Michigan. I don't think Michigan has a requirement of whether it's a, a buck or a doe. So if that's the case, you know, it's the last day I'm up there hunting or whatever. I see a doe, I'm going to shoot the doe. Um, but ideally, I like a buck. And my buck standards in different states is going to change since public land. It's, you know, it's that deer got a nice body on him. I'm shooting him. I don't care what's on his head. Yeah. And PA, the rules are a little different. Um, I don't know if you knew this, but when you buy the license, I told you what all comes with that license. And I've spoke about it on the podcast before. Um, you get a whole bunch of stuff. But... It comes with a doe application. You cannot shoot does unless you get a tag for them, and you have to apply for it. I did not put in for the application for the doe tag, so unless I see a decent buck to shoot at in PA, I'm eating tag soup. Yeah. But I want to get a deer in Michigan, PA, and then six of them in Ohio. I'm not going to keep all the meat. I'm going to give it to people. But that's my goal, and then obviously I want to get a bear or at least learn a lot about bear hunting this year, and then I hopefully I get that elk tag and I can go get an elk down. That's the one thing I do in Ohio is having doe tags because why the hell would I have to buy for the either sex tag? Yeah. Okay. Obviously I use the either sex tag for a buck. Right. But if I wanted to strictly shoot a doe, why do I have to buy an either sex tag? So if I have two either sex tags, I should be able to shoot two bucks if I wanted to. I, I think that's fair. I mean... Yeah. I mean, because there's properties I, in different parts of the state that you have a very well-balanced doe-to-buck ratio. And then, you know, there's are areas where you, it's probably not smart to shoot two bucks. But yeah, it's all about, you know, your herd management and how they're treated and stuff. But exactly. Like, in Carrollton, Tuscarawas County, two bucks would not hurt that population too horribly. But then again, it's hard to tell. That's why, like, if if you can only shoot two, uh, two deer, I should have. If I shoot a buck, okay, I use my either sex tag for that. But if I just, if I need to strictly shoot a doe, mm-hmm. uh, give me a doe tag. Right. I just always thought that was stupid. 
I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to the PA challenge because, you know, that that's a lot of pressure to shoot a buck. Otherwise, you get tag soup. And I, I mean, I've eaten tag soup in Ohio, but only from not shooting anything. But knowing my options are limited, that that's kind of a challenge I'm looking forward to. I know it's it's difficult for you to get out of state and go hunting or even, you know, get out in Ohio even because of yeah. your work. But, dude, I'd love to take, you know, the grindstone guys and be like, all right, everybody get tags. Let's get out of state. Let's let's go make a, some memories and trip, whether we get anything or not. And then, you know, have fun with it because I think everybody would enjoy it. You know, you, you always remember your first animal you kill out of state. Yeah. I believe it. I mean, that turkey hunt was awesome. I need to finish editing that video so I can get it out. But yeah, it, there's a lot of things left to get go for this season. Just not a lot of prep work, I guess you'd say. Exactly. I'm on hold right now until I get my uh, bow strings in. Right. Other than doing like some property stuff, you know, checking trail cams and stuff. But yeah. Uh, so, I expect to see like a lot of good 140 inch deer down a hawking this because last year when I checked my cans there were I'd say there were a good five or six different bucks that were all around the 130 inch range yeah but I mean yeah there's there's deer down there one of the landowners shot one last year I don't know. I think I've sent you the picture of it, but... I don't remember. A good 150, 160 deer. Wow. And yeah. Um, there have been bucks down there that were probably 180. I believe it. Ben Rising okay. shot a couple booners out of there in that area. There's a... I think I've told you story how one of the bucks that one of the guys tried to shoot and nicknamed him Click Click. Click Click. I don't yeah. know if I remember him or not. Well, he gun season. Uh, he had this deer come out in front of him and uh, goes after that. They nicknamed him Click Click because he was using a forty-five seventy, and on a forty-five seventy, you can have the safety on and the hammer cocked back. Yeah. But if you pull the trigger, it will actually slam forward, and but it won't go all the way to make it shoot. So it makes a really loud clicking noise. Okay, yeah. From the hammer flinging forward. Um, so when he did that, he aimed it on the deer, shot, but the safety was on, so it didn't hit. So he was like, shit, I forgot to rack around. Oh, so okay. He quickly racks around. His, his, his bullet comes flying out, because there was one in there. Pulls the trigger again, and the same thing happens, just clicked. So we nicknamed him that deer click click, and that deer <laughs> prob and they prob that deer was probably about 180 inches. Oh wow! And he had about 20 yards with a 4570. Yeah. Yep. Wow, I, I wouldn't even be able to imagine that because I don't think I've ever seen a deer that big in front of me. I would be sick to my stomach. <laughs> I've been sending you all kinds of videos on TikTok of just big deer. And like we both like, man, I shit my pants. So I seen that sucker. Yeah. 
And like the biggest deer I've ever seen in person is the one I shot last year. That, that guy was a pig too. Oh yeah. That, that 12 point I showed you pictures of too. Yeah. I haven't gotten him on camera since la right before gun season last year. I don't know what happened. I don't know if he got killed, he made it through, he got hit on the side of the road, whatnot, or if he's just waiting to show back up until, you know, mid-October when rut comes in or leaning towards rut. I don't know, but I'm kind of sad about that because I was looking forward to chasing him this year. Oh, definitely. That dude was easily 150, 160-inch buck, and he was only, like, maybe two or three years old last year. Yeah, he was, he was big, real big. But, you know, there are a lot of prospects on that property still. Like, my bucks, he, he got around, not last year, obviously, because I killed him so early, but he got around because I showed you that one picture. It, it's like a spinning image of his rack, just younger. Yeah. It, it's not that real wide one. It's the nice, balanced rack with the split brow tie. Yep. I cannot wait to see what he does. Um, I bet he makes it through um, with the timbering and stuff that if they do it. So it's that kind of, you know, I am expecting a lot of deer I'm getting on camera now to make it through if they timber because they're going to go to different properties and hide or they're going to sit on the property in areas that's not being touched. And how many people do you think are going to go in there and, you know, hunt the entire property knowing that it's being timbered? Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of hopeful, you know, for years coming after the timbering, but yeah the good thing about what happened when they timbered where I hunt mm -hmm. um, the guy put in a lot of like new trails yeah so we got to you know explore the property a little more right then we would put stands off of those trails that the guy put in so it was it was nice for the aspect of that yeah easier access quieter you can you know if this side's wind's bad to access it you look at the other side you might be able to get to the standstill yeah. I don't have that in the one area of the property I'm wanting to get to, but if they timber it, I'm hoping that they get some trails in here, like you said, so I can look at better access routes. Yeah. And one of the cool things is with my stand, uh, I think I've also, I think I've sent you this picture before, but... Excuse me. Uh, so the guy, he made a trail, obviously, and it kind of led back into, like, very small uh, grassy area and okay. I me and my two of my buddies we spent hours in there with weed eaters and shit and clearing it all out yeah and uh, it made it it turned it into a really nice spot okay. but the problem is you know where I where my stand is I can see another stand and then to my right you can see another stand. <laughs> so, yeah, I didn't, that's pretty close. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know exactly where, but because I couldn't see in the springtime when I was hanging up the stand because everything was so thick and there was all the leaves and stuff. So yeah, um, so I, I didn't really see. I well, I couldn't see them. But I'm sending you these pictures now. Uh, on Snapchat or text? Uh, Snapchat. Okay. 
I haven't got one yet. Okay, there they are. Okay, yeah, you sent me that first one with the feeder in it. So we cleared all that out and uh, made it to where I can get many shooting lanes in. Okay, yeah. Oh, wow. That, I mean, that's a good transition zone right there, too. Uh-huh. It's literally a small food plot in, in the woods. And that's what I like. You know, because deer are going to like, in my opinion, they're going to like food plots in the, in the woods. They feel probably feel a little more safe rather than, you know, a giant field beside a road. Right. So they don't have to worry about, you know, vehicle traffic or uh, anything like that. Yeah. I mean, well, I, I'd go either way on that, but I do kind of agree. It just all depends on, you know, uh, what kind of scenarios are it? Is there cover on that field that they can get to quickly? Is it is it highly pressured? Is there, you know, spots where yeah. your scent gets all over the place? Or, you know, in the, the woods where you put a food plot, same scenario. Is there cover? Is there you know, access route for them to get in to egress from, you know, is it going to be somewhat more natural for them to get to? Uh, are they going to feel safe there? Is there going to be a lot of pressure there type deal? Uh, just from when I cleared all that up, I can see, so I know there's at least four different trails that go into that little food plot that I put in. Yeah. So I know there's many many trails coming in and many going out and just for me sitting in that stand I've seen them take it all yeah they do like the bed in cleared out areas in timber too um one thing I've learned from Ben Rising in his Booner School YouTube videos is for big big mature white-tailed bucks um they like to use benches to bed on and travel yeah. on yeah. and what they use them for is you know you got that bench it's gonna have wind coming off the hill top or whatever they're gonna be able to smell what's behind them while they still have an easy escape route to or from on that bench because it's relatively flat or whatever and then they'll be able to see downhill yeah. and they are away from other deer because big big mature whitetails from and this is where I'm getting it straight from Ben Rising's videos is big mature whitetail bucks do not like to be around other whitetails very often unless it's a rut. I can see it. So it, it's, you, you got to play around and fidget with the property and your circumstances and how you have everything set up. But, you know, that's why we, that's why we do it. We love the challenge and playing chess with those big deer. Even if oh, we've yeah. never gotten them, you know, losing sucks. But if the deer went, lose every time we shoot them every time, where's the fun in that? Yeah. But. Definitely a challenge. I mean, obviously, I've been hunting. This will be my 16th season, so. Yeah. I'd say, uh, realistically, for comp or archery hunting, this will be my fourth season. Fifth season, somewhere in there. Hunting? Dude, I don't even know how long I've been hunting since before 2006. 
I, I started when I was 10 years old. So easy for me if it's too, uh, if I'm turning, or I'm 26, so I know this would be my like 16th, 16th year. So yeah, I forgot you are old. Yep. <laughs> I turned 26 this year. Super old. Yeah. Um, well, I'd say we could probably get ready to wrap it up. We've almost got a hour and 40 minutes on here. Um, uh, I do want to say I've reached out to a couple big names to try and get on here. Um, you know, it's going to be harder to get bigger names on here right now during this time of the year and moving forward to the season because, you know, everybody's out hunting. But uh, I have been reaching out to a lot of big bigger name guys and stuff trying to establish some connections and stuff like that and whatnot but uh i think you'd, you'd like a couple of them you probably know a few of them already um but um hell if you want to you can reach out to people and stuff like that oh that reminds me i almost forgot so i put it on the last podcast i did solo um about your your fishing jigs so yeah. break it down for everybody. I uh, you probably don't have prices set yet, um, but uh, break it down for people what what you kind of like make um, and what they're good for and stuff like that, and then we'll try and get you some sales. So what I make is it's basically flies for fly fishing and uh, just basically jigs, you know, for crappie. Um, I mean, you can use it for bass, too. I'm trying to make some for walleye. But uh, basically, the flies that I make, obviously, is for fly fishing. I make top water, like dry flies. Um, they're called, like, uh, they're basically poppers, basically. So it's a top water. Uh, I make, like, streamers, flies. Um, not the best at it yet, but I know what I make can catch fish because I personally personally have caught them mm-hmm. um, so I guess stuff like woolly buggers for example I can make those pretty quick um, I probably sell those you know for maybe two bucks per woolly bugger um, and a lot of the dry flies smaller dry flies may be cheaper um, just depends on how much material I make or, or how much material I use to make them um, the crappie jigs, obviously, those are self-explanatory. Um, they're just weighted jigs. Uh, I have sixty. Uh, I have thirty. I have many different sizes. Uh, Thirty-two ounce, sixteenth uh, ounce, quarter ounce, three-eighths ounce, and eighth ounce. So, I have many different kind of jig heads. I can make, you know, multiple colors of the, the marabou feathers for the tail. Uh, many different, you know, styles of chenille that I can use to wrap around the body. So that's basically it. The thing, the price on those, I would probably gonna say like, I don't know, maybe three for five dollars. Mm-hmm. They don't take too much material than like to make. So uh, I feel like for five dollars would be a good deal um so okay yep yeah i mean i think that's awesome i hope i hope we can get that rolling and get some customers for you yeah i've spent a lot of money on getting the equipment and all the materials to making them and 
I've spent a lot of time practicing on making them. Yeah. So like that, I'm I'm not the best at it yet, but again, like I know what I make will catch fish. So you That's know, if matters. I make yeah, if I make a jig, you know, and it catches ten fish and starts to fall apart, in my opinion, that's worth it. Yeah. So it's gonna take the use of the fit biting and fighting and all that. So and the, that's just what happens to lures over time. They, you know, you catch a lot of fish on them, they start to fall apart. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So anybody listening, you know, you can get a hold of me through the social medias on Facebook, Instagram. They come straight to my phone for Grindstone. Um, if you know my personal social medias, hit me up there. Um, if you want to, Stephen, lay out where you can be found on social media or how they can get a hold of you and try and get or- some orders put in. Yeah, I mean, uh, just I guess if you don't have me as a friend on Facebook, uh, just I'd probably go to Zach's friends. I'm in there, Stephen Fondrist. Uh, so. You should be able to message me on there, even if we aren't friends or if we are shooting your friends' request and uh, just send me a message and I should be able to get to it. But if not, if you can't get a hold of me, just talk to Zach and I know he'll he'll talk to me. So. Yep. And say so we're we're looking to try and do some big things with Grindstone Ventures. You know, we're we're a baby baby organization, uh, but. That one good thing about the community we're trying to get into is that they're very open and welcoming. So we're hoping one day to be one of the big name educational shows and stuff like that. For obviously, this podcast is not going to be educational for anybody really because it's just dudes <laughs> being dudes and saying things yeah. that probably don't need to be said in front of younger ears. But exactly, the hunting show we will be very strict on what is said and how it's, how it's portrayed. So. And if we slip up, we will just edit it out. Yep. Or if we forget to or we, we miss one, you know, we, we want people to comment and give us hell about it so we, we stay on that stuff in the future. And we're always open to suggestions. You know, we we're, like I said, we're brand new in this. We don't know everything. I, I don't know everything about shooting bows. I don't know anything about finding big deer or nothing. You know, I get a lot of my stuff from YouTube. So, yep. If you got suggestions, you got someone you want to hear on the podcast, or you want to hear a topic, throw them at us, man. It, just get them to us, because uh, you know I'm a blonde, so I can only be so creative. Yeah. But uh, well, Q&A. yeah, I'd love to do Q and A's, dude. I'd I'd love to do like you know semi lives or whatever on YouTube and get get the answers out there to people that have questions for us you know it doesn't even have to all be hunting or fishing you know just what have i done to get set up or what has steven done to get his equipment for jigs and fishing or what is the best way to go about this or what what do we think what's our opinion on this hunting stance or this law or whatnot it don't matter just we we want some interaction yep i mean i've been hunting for 16 years and i've been fishing for a lot longer right we've been i mean i know a lot but there's also a lot that i don't know so right and if you ever stop learning then yeah you're wrong i'll always help out when i can but i do not know everything and i'll tell you that right now if i don't know a question i definitely will tell you that right i i don't know everything i i tell people that all the time i was like listen i don't know everything but this is what i've done this is what i've learned this yeah. is where I get most of my information. So if I can't answer it, maybe go check out something there and you might be able to find your answer. Yep. Um, I am very good at trying to find information though. So 
Yep, exactly. But, uh, yeah, uh, I, I'd say we're just about two hours. It's going to be the longest podcast yet. Sweet. Uh, it was good to get you back on here, dude. It's been a long time. Yeah, it has. Working stuff's been crazy. Yeah, it has. I'm on 10-hour days right now, so yeah. when I get home, I, I don't really do much, so. Yeah, I, I feel that. The last couple of weeks, I've been taking care of animals, so <laughs> I've been busy. <laughs> yeah, I'll believe it. I've been crawling in and out of an ammonia tank that's empty right now, so I've been pretty exhausted when I get off work. Yep. But, uh. Well, I appreciate you coming on here, buddy. I know we'll be wow. talking here soon. We, we we text and talk to each other pretty much once or twice a week anyway, so. Yeah, exactly. I appreciate you coming on here. Uh, Probably. Hopefully see you in a couple of weeks. Hopefully. But uh, I appreciate it, man. Hopefully you get some sales from this and stuff for your jigs and you get your. Oh, I need money. Some season. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully you get your season prep done and you get your strings in, get your bow tuned up, so we yeah. get, you can get I'll, that uh, first buck. I hope. I'll send you a link to uh, that place I got my bow string. Okay. And check it out. Um, yeah, I'll put that and, link on on uh, Instagram and Facebook too. Yeah, um, so, and I'll also. Uh, I'll also send you a picture of those arrows that I have down in my basement that I haven't really touched, so. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. But, all right, buddy, well, I appreciate it. You have a good one. Don't work too yeah. hard tomorrow. You too. I probably will. <laughs> all right, buddy, we'll talk to you later. Yeah, bye, bud. Bye. All right, so that is episode 21 uh, with team member VP, one of my good friends from Strasburg. Stephen Fondress, you know, talking early season hunting tactics and preparations and uh, some 3D shooting. So that was a fun one to do. Um, I just seen as I got off the phone with him, the phone call is only 100 or an hour and 19 minutes. So I don't know why this is almost a two hours. So uh, I got some work to do. But that is Grindstone Adventures, episode 21. I appreciate you guys hanging out with us. Um, stay tuned. Things will be getting better um, as you know equipment progresses, and I learn more at this stuff. So, um, be patient with us. Throw your suggestions at us. What we did wrong, what we did right, what you liked, what you didn't like, what you don't want to ever hear again, what you do want to hear more of. Uh, it, it's all good information for me and Steven and all the other guys. Um, but you know, with that, go out and live your life. Do something productive every single day. Do have no zero days. Have fun. And to everybody that's getting ready to get out there in the season, I know season's about ready to start depending on whatever state you're in. Good luck this year. Get what you want. And don't let anybody blast you for shooting something, no matter how big or small it is. You know, I don't I don't trophy shame. You know, whatever trips your trigger, kill it. Kill it, throw it in the skillet. That's a pretty good saying right there. But this is Grindstone Adventures. I'm your host, Zach Fuhr, and I am out. <laughs>